Lord, I just pray your blessing now and speak through him. May he know a real anointing of your Holy Spirit on this place. And Lord, may each one of us know our hearts touched by you. Open our ears, open our eyes to hear and see what you want to say to us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Can you hear me? Yeah? No? A little bit louder, I think. Excellent. Thank you. Oh, good morning to you. Whoa. That woke you up, didn't it? Uh, well, good morning to you all. It's lovely to see you all this morning, and it's a privilege once again to come and speak to you. Um, as I was thinking about this morning, I was thinking about last weekend, funny enough, where was I? And I was actually at another church speaking, and that was a great joy, and we had a lovely morning. But on the Saturday before, I was down in Colchester visiting my son and daughter-in-law and the two grandchildren. And we were there for most of the day. Uh, but as the day went on, they were getting a bit tired, and we thought it was time to make a sharp exit and uh, take our leave. So I happened to say to my grandson, well, we'd better be going now. Uh, I've got one or two things to do when I get home. And he said, what have you got to do? I said, well, I'm preaching tomorrow. I said, I've got a little bit more prep to do. And he's only six years old. And he said, what's preaching? And I said to him, well, actually, it's when you go to church and you stand at the front. Oh, he said, I've seen people do that. I said, and then you talk to the congregation about Jesus. You speak to them. And he looked at me and said, does anybody listen to you? <laughs> and I just simply thought, well, that's you gone out of the will, mate. <laughs> well, I sincerely hope people listen to me. And if they don't listen to me, I hope they pay attention to God's word, because that's actually even more important than listening to me. But this morning, I'm here to share one or two things. In fact, it's part two. Last week, we had part one of God the Father. And Paul, thank you so much for your message. I was greatly blessed by it. And it told me what not to talk about this week. Okay? So, um, and I'm following on from that with the second part. And as I was preparing for this, my mind started wandering all over the place, as it often does. I think, where do you start? What do you talk about? About God. There's so many things. The Bible is so rich, so full. But my mind went back to a few years ago and a book that somebody recommended to me. And I'm sure a number of you will have read this book at some point in time. And it's called My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. And I remember when I got this book, at first I thought, this is a bit old-fashioned, you know, in the language and the style. But as I started to read through it, I realized it was a book rich in teaching and rich and powerful in the love of God. And it's a book that stayed with me for a long time. But I remember this particular passage that I'd read, which for one reason or the other, well, it's a God reason. God put it into my head, I know. Drew me into the sermon that I'm going to do before you today. And it was this. In John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus says, I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And throughout Jesus' ministry, this was the overriding concern that he had to do what God wanted him to do, to do the job that God had sent him to do, to actually follow God's will. And another way of thinking about it is that God had a purpose, and then God laid that purpose on Jesus for him to fulfill. The will was his purpose. God's will, God's purpose. Let me remind you what it says again. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. 
And as I thought about this, I thought, hold on a minute. This could easily be about me and about you. And if you change it around, it could actually say this. I do not seek my own purpose, but the purpose of the Father who created me. There's a link I'm going to come to in a little while which links God's purpose with Jesus' purpose with the purpose that we have in our lives today. And in fact, from the moment we became Christians, it's been our continual purpose. So the first part of this morning is going to be about the purpose of God. And then from there, I'm going to talk a little bit about the power within that purpose. So hopefully we can understand a little bit more about God the Father by the end of the morning. Are you still awake? Still with me? Good. I'm going to test you every now and again, especially if I hear snoring. Okay? Let's start. And where I'd like you to start, and I do hope you've got a Bible or you can grab a pew Bible, because we're going to look at one or two verses this morning, and it's great if you can read them for yourself. I've no PowerPoints. I use PowerPoints in my work, and I get fed up with them. So I've got no PowerPoints this morning. Just the Word of God from the Scripture. And where I'd like to start is Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46 and verses 8 to 13. And when you read this, in the first instance, you might think, whatever has this got to do with God the Father? It's got everything to do with God the Father. So let's look at it. Remember this, fix it in mind. That is to you and me. Remember this, fix it in mind. Take it to the heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. And I love this next bit. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Just let that sink in. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no other like me. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, oh, and listen to this, and I will do all that I please. Anybody who thinks that God's not in control needs to think again. I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey, from a far-off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted, you who are far from righteousness. I'm bringing my righteousness near. It's not far away, and my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendor to Israel. If anybody ever doubts the power of God and the purpose of God, you could start here, couldn't you? I'll do what I want to do. My ways will be achieved. My will will be done. Don't think otherwise. The purpose of God. He mentions it here. This is the purpose of God. Let's just look at it again. I am God, there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. I say my purpose will stand. I will do all that I please. What I have said that I will bring about, I will grant salvation to Zion. Never be in doubt about God's purpose. But what is it? Just what is it? When I looked at this, I began to realize I had to start somewhere else. If you look at verses 9 and 10, it says, Remember the former things, those of a long ago, and I make known the end from the beginning. 
And I think to understand the purpose of God, we have to go right back to the beginning. We have to go to the creation. So let's look back. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Genesis, that would be great. I'm looking at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It said, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And this is the first major clue about his purpose. You see, God's been there forever. I don't know when he first came about, but it's forever. I don't even want to know. I don't even want to think about when, it first, when God first existed. As far as I'm concerned, he's just always been there. But there came a time when he decided to make a change in things. And the universe was created, and our earth was created, and the land and all of what we read in Genesis was created. And then right after that, he created us. Mankind, men and women. And why did he do that? I'll tell you why he did it. Because he wanted to share this wonderful creation with somebody. You imagine, you are powerful enough to create paradise. This wonderful place. And it's all yours. I remember someone telling me a few years back, well, that's about 30 odd years ago now, when I first went for the county council. Um, he came in one day and he was moaning and groaning. I said, what's the matter with you? Oh, he said, I was just in the lift coming up at a county hall. He said, I heard people going on and on about Norfolk. Our roads aren't very good. There's tractors on the roads everywhere. You've got some things to come here, Tom. And um, the people all speak a strange dialect, you know, and it's hard to understand them. And they're so negative, Norfolk people. And I said to my friend, I said, what do you think about that? He said, well, if I had my way, I'd block all the roads off. I wouldn't let them in. He said, this is paradise. And he actually said that word. He said, Norfolk is a wonderful place to live. Am I doing a good job on selling that? It's a wonderful place to live. Let's not let anybody in. But that's not our God. That's not our God. He created this world, this wonderful paradise. And then he said, I want to share it with somebody. Because God is all about sharing, except for his glory. He shares his creation. He shares everything with us. My heavens, he shared Jesus Christ, his own son with us. He created this wonderful place. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 16, it said, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God had every right to put conditions on it. It was his creation, his paradise, his invitation. We were created by him and he allowed us by his grace to be with him. But he said, don't do this. You see, his original purpose was to enjoy his creation, to enjoy the people he created, to commune with them, to walk with them in the garden. And what happened? Well, my friends, we messed it up. And you're thinking, yes, Adam and Eve, haven't they got a lot to answer for? Well, I'm telling you, we've got a lot to answer for. And the children in this day and age are telling us that, and why have we messed up creation? Forget what happened in the last... 2,000 years and beyond that, we've been messing it up most of our lives and we've all had a part to play in it. 
But right at the start, it was messed up by Adam and Eve. And we fell. And that purpose he had, that wonderful purpose at the beginning, was to have this fabulous communion with people, was destroyed. Not because he didn't want us, not because he didn't love us. It was destroyed simply because we couldn't get our act together and obey our God. We were selfish. We wanted to be as great as him. We wanted to know what he knew. And on top of that, we were so stupid and so gullible to be taken in by Satan. He doesn't like that. And I'll tell you why he doesn't like it, because he's done for. He's done for. But we were gullible enough to be taken in by him. And if you think that's not happening today, you need to think again. Because there's a world out there who are actually running around under his command. And we ourselves fall under that at times. The church, which should be so pure, should be the bride of Christ, is not that pure on all occasions. My heavens, I am not pure enough for the, to be the bride of Christ. I mess up. I occasionally let loose with a bad piece of language because I get humpty about something. And I look at myself in the mirror and I think, are you the man you're supposed to be? No, I'm not. And none of us are. Satan still roams this world and he's still trying to mess everything up, but my friends, he is beaten. He's gone. He is a goner. He's a goner. But we mess things up. Let's go back to Isaiah again for a moment. Verse 10. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. In other words, what he was saying there, my friends, is this. You've messed this up, but I had a purpose for you. And that purpose is going to happen. I am not going to let this snake get the better of you or me. My purpose will continue. Now, one of the things that's very strange is why it's taken so long for us to get back to paradise. Now, that's one of those wonderful debates that theologians have, churches have, individuals have in house groups and elsewhere that we're never going to know the answer to. I do not know why the time has taken what it's taken. I don't know when Jesus is going to come again. All I know is he is. He is coming again. He is. God created us for his purpose, for his own glory. He did not create us to bring glory to the created. He created us to bring glory to the creator. We run around like headless chickens outside the church and inside the church thinking that the world and everything it's got to throw out of us, whether it's cinema, whether it's the TV, and there's nothing wrong with either of those because I enjoy both of them, whether it is a glass of wine, whatever it might be, we actually sit there and it becomes our God if we're not careful. The latest technology, the latest cocktail for some people, the latest program on the telly, and there's a real humdinger on Netflix at the moment. Uh, called, I can't remember what it's called now. It's just gone out of my head. It's all about mass slaughter of people for a game. What's it called? Squid Game. Yeah. Now you think, why is he talking about that? How does he know about that? Because I went and had a look at it. Because everybody was talking about it. And I can't talk about it unless I've looked at it. And I looked at it and I was appalled. And it's the biggest uh, viewed television program at the moment. 
People are actually going out there and buying costumes to dress like their competitors, and they're even starting to have their own mock games. And the mock game is all about, I want to get over there to win the prize, but the penalty I might pay is my life to get there. It's an appalling program. You may have a different view. I don't care. I think it's appalling. And I don't think it glorifies our Creator at all. But it may glorify the created, the production companies, the directors, and whoever else thinks it's wonderful. There, I've nailed my colours to the mask. It's probably a mistake, isn't it? But I don't care. It does not glorify the Creator. In John chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus said, I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus seeks to fulfill God's purpose, not the purpose of the world. God's purpose. And what is God's purpose? God's purpose is to have communion with us forever. And that's what he's working to. You know, God does so many wonderful things in the world. And then he gets blamed for so many things that go wrong. But God's overwhelming purpose remains the same. You are my people. I want you with me forever. I want to commune with you. That's not been lost. But we lost an opportunity from the start, and now we're working. We are working. We are struggling. We are straining to get back to that point when we can have communion with Him. But in the meantime, when God realized it was just too hard for us mortals, what did He do? He sent the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll show you the way. I will show you the way to get back to the Lord. Follow me. Because his purpose is my purpose. You know, folks, when I started to think about this, I started to think about when I worked at the county council, and I had a boss at the time, Ann Gibson. She was a wonderful, wonderful manager. Best I ever had. And uh, when I used to have my appraisals, before that, it used to be some random objectives somebody would throw at me. And I used to think, okay, I'll get on with doing it. She came along and said, look, Chris, the chief executive has given me some objectives. So this is the purpose of me and my job. What you do has to help me to achieve that. Your purpose has got to be my purpose. And the people who work for you, they've got to serve you to achieve your purpose, which is to achieve my purpose. Does it make sense? Cascading appraisal in common terms. Do you know, it's no different, except it's more important. God has a purpose, and he gave Jesus that same purpose, and then he said to us, and you've got the same purpose as well. How do I know that? I know that because at the end of Matthew, Jesus gives us the Great Commission. And Jesus says to us, you will do greater things than I've done. You will continue my work until I come again. And when he comes again, we will have that communion with God that we had right at the beginning. Does that make sense to you? Okay? So the purpose, let us have no doubt of God right at the very beginning and continues to be so, is to get us back to that place we were in paradise with him. So we can have communion with him again, continually everlasting. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That way back when, God had a purpose for us and he hasn't forgotten it. After all the rubbish we've thrown at him, all the things we've done to mess up his creation, this world, after all the evil we've done as people, 
all the unkindness we may have shown, all the rejection of him in his ways, yet he has not forgotten us. He never forgets us. And his purpose for us from the beginning is the same at the end and all the days in between. Isn't that wonderful? It's absolutely marvellous. Just think, how many people do you know, and maybe it's yourself, where somebody has done you some wrong and you've turned away from them, rejected them and never spoken to them again? I hope that's not the case, but people do that, do they not? They do not speak to someone. Why? Well, you never guess what they did to me. Where's the forgiveness? Where's the restoration? That's rubbish. Utter rubbish. If there's anybody in this church who's got wrong with somebody else and you've not sought their forgiveness or they've sought yours and you've not restored that relationship at the end of today, please get out there and sort it out. Because that is not God's way. God's way is, you messed up, but I forgive you. And my purpose for you remains from the beginning to the end. I will never let you down. I will never reject you. I will never turn away from you. So much so that I sent my Holy Son to die for you. I will never do these things. Why? Because I love you. You are my creation. And my friends, we sit in here today as a body of Christians. And out there there's a world who don't want to know God, but he loves them just as much. If you think creation was just about us, you are wrong. It was about the whole of this world and everybody in it. If you think paradise is just about you or me, you are wrong. It's about all those people out there who God wants and we are charged with going out there to get them. Are we not? Come on, you need to believe that because if you don't, you're ignoring what Jesus said at the end of Matthew with the Great Commission. This is not a either or, maybe, maybe not. This is this is my job. This is my purpose. Why is it my purpose? Because it's Jesus' purpose. And why is it Jesus' purpose? Because it's God's purpose. And therefore, I will not ignore it. Please do not ignore it. Now, I'm tired. I, was, I haven't been so excited about a passage of Scripture and a topic for such a long time. I made some notes. I said to Teresa, I've got some complex notes here today, for me anyway. She said, what are you going to do? I said, I'll probably forget them, just like I always do. And she's right, I have. But I think I'm getting a message across. I hope I am. But you know, isn't it very strange? We can think in that sort of human term, well, yeah, God's got a purpose. And he's going to achieve the purpose. And we start to think about it. And it becomes an intellectual exercise. And we can get to a point where we can get very blasé about it and think, this is just going to happen. It's going to happen. But it doesn't happen. Nothing happens without energy, without action. And that's where God uses his power. God's power is at work. Let's go back to what it says here. Look. I make known the end from the beginning, my ancient, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. You do not say I'll, I will do all that I please unless you are confident you have the power to do it. Because I can't walk out here and say I will do all that I please. Ah, there's a double yellow line out there. I'll park on that. Now, only once, when I get the fine, that will soon put me straight. I do not have the power to do all that I please. And that is just as well. Just as well. But God does. He has such immense power, he can do everything that he pleases. 
when it pleases him. And what pleases him is to use his power for our good and the good of his creation. And if you really want to see an example of the immense power of God, you can search the Bible and see example after example. But I just want to focus on one. Because for me, it is the key example. My God can raise people from the dead. Now you think, yeah, but we can do that with the power of the Spirit and with God's power. Yes, but when I talk about raising from the dead, I'm talking about he raised Jesus from the dead. And that's where our hope lies. The power that he has of resurrection. We were born into sin. And unless God had chosen us, and don't, don't think for a moment you chose him. He chose you. It says so in the scriptures. He chose you. He chose us to follow him. And before he chose us to follow him, we were lost. We can sit here now in the great comfort of being in church and think, oh, you know, this is quite cool, isn't it? I'm saved. I'm saved. I know I'm going to paradise, this paradise that Chris is talking about. We're going, isn't that wonderful? Yeah, you're going there because God said you can come because he chose you. And then he sent his son to die for you and to show us the way to get there. Not the work we do, the belief in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ promises he was going to go somewhere to heaven, wherever that might be, and he was going to create a place for us. And Jesus does not go back on his promises. The power that God had is immense. It covers everything. Just like that, he could destroy this whole world. Just like that, we'd be gone. Do you know, there must be a time when you, when you look at the world and you must think, I'm going to have to start all over again. Let's just blast it. You're all gone. I'll start again. But no, he remained true to his promise. You are my creation. I want you with me, and I'm determined to have my way. And along the way, we went off track, and he had to send his son to die for us rather than destroy us. He destroyed his own son. For three days, he was in the grave, dead, gone. And then he lifted him from the grave. Before that, Jesus said, look, this is what's going to happen. And when I'm gone, you will continue on fulfilling God's purpose. And you will have the power through the Holy Spirit. You will do greater things than I've done. Have we done greater things than Jesus has done? Have we seen those miracles? I haven't. I'll take responsibility for that. Maybe I should have done more. Maybe I should have had more faith. I don't know. But we have a purpose, and that purpose is to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave us. And that great commission was given to us when Jesus knew he was leaving this earth, and we had to carry on fulfilling the purpose of God. There's a connection. And that in itself is something to rejoice about. We are connected through this purpose to Jesus and God in such a strong way it binds us together. But we've got to do our bit. We've got to do our bit. I started to think about this idea just for a moment. Um, I want to make a note of something. 
about Satan roaming the world. I've said he is, and I can't leave it there because I don't want you to go away from here looking around every corner, wondering when he's going to jump out at you. Now that might be the case. You never know when he's going to appear. Not like God, he's not everywhere all at once. He seeks us out. He looks for the weak moments. That moment when we turn away from Jesus' instruction to us. When we turn away from Jesus' ways. When we actually lose sight of God. We think somehow he's deserted us when in fact it's the other way around. And in those moments, that slimy so-and-so sneaks around the corner. Bites your ankle. Grabs hold of you. Injects some sort of poison into people. That makes them want to follow a different path. (laughs) But I tell you what. That ain't going to happen. Because he is a goner. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus, has killed him off dead. But you know, sometimes people think about the idea. I made a note here about it. I'm going to find it because I want you to hear this. Jesus never doubted, you know, that Satan was the ruler of this world. He never doubted it. Satan once showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. All these things I will give you if you fall down in in an act of worship to me. Think about this. That couldn't have been a temptation unless it was true. He could have done that because he rules this world. He could have done that. And you think about God and you think about Jesus and what it says in Revelation, it says this, Jehovah is the almighty God, the creator of the marvelous universe. Yet in John chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus specifically referred to Satan as the ruler of the whole world. And later in John, the whole world is lying in the power of the wicked one. Let's not walk around here, blasé, complacent. There is danger around the corners. There is danger from Satan who's still floating around doing his utmost, not his utmost for his highest, his utmost for his own benefit, to drag us away. To drag us away from the purpose that Jesus gave us and the very purpose that God gave Jesus, which he also gave to us. We've got to keep, I'm reminded of a Bruce Springsteen song, as always, we've got to keep our eyes on the prize. Our eyes on the prize. Our eyes on God because we're going to be with him forever. Our eyes on Jesus, because we're going to spend eternity with him. Our eyes on paradise, because that's where we're going. Keep your eyes on the prize. And if we do that, we do that, we can fight off Satan in this world. He's already defeated. It's his last throw of the dice. And we can resist him. But we have to remember God's purpose It has to become our purpose if it's not already. And we've got to get out there and put it into action. And the power is there. The power of the Holy Spirit who God sent to us. And the knowledge that Jesus himself said, we will do greater things than I. In his name, for his glory, and to achieve the purpose of God. I want us as a church, I want me as an individual, I want Teresa and I working together to be working for the purpose of God. To fulfill the message and the challenge and the instruction that was given to us by Jesus. 
And I rejoice, not just yet, in the knowledge that day will come when I will be with them forever, just as it was in the beginning. But I say this, not just yet, because I think he's still got some stuff for me to do down here. And for you, not just yet. We as a church, and I am going to say this, even though it's not yet the day, under a new leader, under God's man, we are going to do great things for God. Do I get a brownie point for that? He didn't like it again. He did not like it. And why did he not like it? Without being at all arrogant, because what we have seen in God's word this morning is the truth. That's where I'm going to leave it. After this morning, I hope you're aware of God's purpose. I hope you understand God's power. I hope you understand the purpose of Jesus. And I hope, beyond all hope, you understand your purpose. It's actually quite simple, but it's tough. And I pray God's blessing on each one of you as you leave here and go about his business in the week ahead. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, first off, I ask your forgiveness. And forgiveness for all of us, Lord, if we've done anything at all in the last period of time, whenever that might be, which has not been of you, not been to uh, give you glory, Lord. If it's actually caused a problem for anybody, or if it's actually pulled us apart from other people, whatever it is that we've done, which we can only call sin, Lord, I pray your forgiveness on us. In the name of Jesus Christ, wash us fresh in your blood. And after this morning, Lord, I pray that we will go out of here with your power, your strength, working towards your purpose. May your blessing and mercy be upon us, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Uh, God bless you in your ministry and pray each one of us will have been blessed as we see how we go through this week to serve the Lord in whatever corner he puts us in. Of course, we don't go alone. We come to, in the words of our last song, to say, Lord, I come to you. Let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I've found in you. And we finish this with the line that I will soar with you. Your spirit leads me on in the power of your love. May we know his power as we go from this place this morning. Let's stand, if you're able, as we sing this final song this morning.
Lord, as we go from this place this morning, I ask that we will help us to go and live our lives in the power of your love. Help us to know you're with us. Help us to seek to serve you. Help us, Lord, as various opportunities 
Some which will be good, seem good, some which will seem bad will face us during this week. Lord, in each situation, may we know you with us. May we know the power that we have within us uh, to be servants, to minister to that situation. So, Lord, bless us. Thank you for this time we've been able to spend together this morning. We pray you'll go with us as we go our separate ways. And bless us, Lord, wherever you take us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.